0: Thank you for listening to this week's
1: podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au So, Rochelle,
0: uh, come on up. It's uh, Give Rochelle a round of applause. <laughs> Welcome her now. <clears throat> Uh, Rochelle is one of our own uh, and it's great honour and privilege to be able to welcome her here today. Uh, Rochelle, uh, it's been great to see you grow up in the life of the church. Rochelle's been involved in our children's ministry, been involved in our worship ministry, been involved in our youth ministry. uh, Had a broad range of experience uh, last year. She left us and I'm not going to say any more than that because Michelle's going to tell her story. But before we do that, you had something you wanted to share with us as well. So just share with the church what um, you wanted to say to me this morning.
1: Yeah, um, so this morning I was just praying like into the church and I got an image of some bricks and they were three layers high. But then instead of going upwards like the Tower of Babel, they were going outwards. And I just felt like this was the church and you're going to go and share the gospel, not necessarily in Horsham, but go out and build around and, yeah, just spread the word and be disciples and make disciples. Yeah.
0: That's a cool word. Uh, Very much loving that and uh, looking forward to what you bring today. Um, I'm actually just going to get off the stage because I think Kat prayed for us, and I think she prayed a great prayer, so I just want to encourage you. Yep. Would you just uh, encourage Rochelle at the
1: Yeah, so I just want to start off by saying um, thank you to the whole church for your support from me last year. Um, it was, yeah, a great support financially and through prayer as well. I couldn't have done it without any of you, so just thank you so much um, for that. And so, this time last year, I was up here and I was telling everyone what I was about to embark on, and I was answering questions from Simon about God's plan for my life. Um, And then in July, I moved to Perth. Um, I was enrolled to undertake a medical discipleship training school. Um, A discipleship training school is also known as a DTS, and is a school that is um, run to grow in intimacy with God and discover more of his purpose, and to put that faith into action. Um, So there's different strands of the school, and I did a medical one. So you could do a music DTS, you could do an art, a sports, forward drive, and there's many more. The reason I wanted to do this DTS is because I have a heart for missions, and I chose the medical strand because I love helping people in a practical way. I have a heart for nutrition and for medicine as well. I honestly had no idea what to expect when I got there. I was so nervous and I got off the plane and I was meted, met by two of the leaders and they picked me up and they took me to a hostel and I was so scared to be living in a hostel. It was pretty freaky, but I was greeted <laughs> by two roommates um, and I was in a room with eight, eight people all together. So it was a big room sharing bunk beds. And so we had a whole hallway um, to ourselves So there was 40 of us and half of us were doing a birth attendant school and the other half were doing a medical DTS. Um, And so we got to grow and live together and share our different experiences with each other in that. So I had, as Simon said before, I've grown up in this church and grown up in a Christian family and I knew who God was Um, and I'd heard that like he cared for me Um, but I didn't really know what that meant and I didn't really understand that he did want this deep relationship with me, which is something that I have taken away from my DTS. I didn't really know that he wanted to be my best friend and that I could have this uh, two-way relationship with me. I just thought it was just a one-way street. So the first 12 weeks we spent in Perth and the next 12 weeks we spent in Manila, the Philippines. In Perth, we had lectures each day on different topics. Um, so we had topics on character and nature of God, hearing God's voice, um, lordship, the father heart of God, spiritual authority, and we had speakers from all over the world um, to come speak to us about these topics. Every day I found out more about who God was and his plan, and I felt God grew closer to me, and I felt he grew, I grew closer to him, and I really felt the love that he had for me. And one thing that really stood out to me um, was this verse, Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Um, we are, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, so this was just like really on my heart during my time in Perth. So this is my DTS family. This is, so we had 30 students in my school um, from all over the world, from 15 different countries. So America, Nepal, Cambodia, Israel, Europe and Australia and we had seven leaders as well. Um, So every week we had many different activities and an average day looked like this. I would get up about 6.30, spend some time with God, have breakfast and get ready for the day. And so it was a 15 minute walk to the Perth base. Um, So at 7.45 I would leave for that with some of my friends and then at eight o'clock in the morning we had morning chores. Um, And so we cleaned the bathrooms, we cleaned the auditorium, the dining halls, So we swept we we did um yeah lots of things cleaning which I dreaded but that's okay we get used to it we have to have to clean what we're given um and then at 8:30, we had worship we had prayer or we had a bible study so every Monday morning it was always everyone's favorite it was called Monday morning worship and it was just an hour spent worshiping our God Um, and just praising him and it was a really uh, fun time. And then we had times of intercession and prayer. So we would ask God to speak to us and reveal stuff to us and we would pray into that. So we usually specifically um, prayed for Manila, but we also prayed for other things as well and we all shared a Bible study together. Then at 9.30 we had lectures. So as I said before, we had different topics and we would just dig into the word and what God had to reveal for us. And then we would have lunch and at 12.30. So we had three hours of lectures. And then at lunchtime, we were given the leftovers from the night before. <laughs> but our food, it wasn't that great because it was all donated to the base um, from supermarkets and things around in Perth. Um, so we were just thankful for what we were given. In that. And we had morning tea times. And it was really fun because we had... So the, old, the bakeries would put all their old bread in these garbage bags, just like we do with the Rumbies run. And so we would just pick out like, our stuff that we wanted for our morning tea. And then if we were lucky, we would have Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then after lunch, we would have more chores. So we had to work duties for two hours this time, though. Um, so my specific role was to clean the windows. So for one and a half hours each day, I cleaned all the windows with two other girls, and then we would help clean the bathrooms. So we'd clean the toilet, mop the floor, clean the basin. It wasn't that fun, but I think towards the end I really enjoyed it because it was just a time to relax and reflect on what I had been learning during the week. Um, And then at 5.30, we would have dinner. So we'd have not so good food, but we were just thankful that we had food provided for us. We also had what we called a one-on-one where we met with one of our leaders for about 45 minutes each week and just discussed what we were learning in the lectures, um, what God was revealing to us. And if we were, had any questions or going through any issues with anything, we were able just to talk it out, which I found really helpful. Um, also on Fridays, we didn't have work duties, so that was always a fun day. Um, but instead, we went out and did evangelism in the city of Perth. So we would go out and we would ask people if they needed prayer for anything, we would speak to them about Jesus and just ask questions and try and um, yeah, build that relationship with people and share about the gospel and about God and it was amazing um, what God was doing in that time in Perth but it was a really scary experience. I find it more scary going out in my own country and sharing the gospel than it is in another country because I feel like they're my people so it's and not as comfortable, I guess, yeah. But then at night, so at 6.30, um, we would have a workshop on Mondays. Um, so this here is a picture of us making oral rehydration solution, which is like hydrolyte. So we, we made this, this workshop and then when we went to Manila, we were able to teach people how to make that if they're dehydrated or if they got diarrhea or something like that. Um, We also learned how to take blood pressure with the cuff and a stethoscope. We learned how to weigh babies. We learned about different medications and we learned how to teach people how to wash their hands correctly, um, what to do in uh, different medical and health situations um, that we really take for granted. And so we were able to teach that to the people of Manila when we we went to Manila. Um, We also had a small group once a week where we met with about seven or eight of our school and we just hung out, we prayed together, we read the Bible, we shared testimonies. Um, One time our group went to the beach and we also did some baking and we just had some fun and fellowship together. And I remember in the ninth week I had a particular breakthrough in one of our topics, it was fear of the Lord. I was excited coming into this week um, because it's something that I've always struggled with this saying. Like why do we fear God? We're supposed to love him and I never really understood the term Um, but during that week I had the revelation that I don't necessarily have to be afraid of him but in awe of him, an overwhelming feeling of admiration towards our father and as part of this we need to lay down our lives. This means we give everything over to God and everything belongs to him and at the end of my week um, we had a time of application to apply this. Um, So in a in our classroom and a cross was placed at the front Um, and one by one we came up to recommit our lives to God and giving everything over to him and publicly declaring that we follow God's will for our our life and during this time it really hit me that I hadn't obeyed God and I had walked away from him in my life. Um, So we read in Jonah 1 verse 1 to 4, the word of the Lord came to Jonah son of Amiti Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come before us. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. I feel like I have a very similar story to Jonah's. So back in 2015, I was serving in a children's home in Thailand and I felt like God was wanting me to do a DTS in Perth um, during my... God told me that when I was in Thailand. So I contacted went Perth to inquire and let them know that I was interested. Um, and then I came back from Thailand at the end of July and I knew it would be another 11 months before I left for the DTS. In the meantime, I had found a job and I also started studying. January came when I was considering doing it, but I loved my job and I was insecure about my finances um, and there was other things going on which I felt I needed to stay at home. And I wasn't really sure if I wanted to pursue God. So I kept working and I was really enjoying it. But then in the first week of July, um, my boss came up to me and asked me to transfer stores. I was so shocked and I really did not like this new store. I didn't know at the time, but now that I look back at it, it would have been the same week that I would have been going to Perth if I had followed God's plan for me. So then, what happened is, YWAM contacted me again in September, and then, and then I knew I had to go when I received that email. So just like the same way J- Jonah um, disobeyed God, but God was persistent, I did the same thing. So God. Only did I make this connection during my DTS, and as I prayed, surrendering my life to God, I knew that I would follow his plan. I didn't want to go on a wild goose chase anymore. God's plans has the best intention for my life and his people, and I'm so thankful that God was persistent with me. He didn't give up. He kept knocking at my door, making new paths so that I can follow his plan. God always makes a way for us. So, this is just one thing that God was revealing to me in our lectures and in our applications times um, during the lecture phase. And also during the lecture phase, we had to get ready for our, our trip to Manila. And so, uh, I think it was in the fourth week, our leader told us, she gave us the three, so because we're in a group of 30, we had to split into three different groups for our outreach for Manila. And our leader um, told us to pray about which group to be in. And so I prayed and I felt like I was to be in the group of Deborah and David. Um, over the three months of the lecture phase, I got to know these, these leaders really well. And I was excited to be led on a team with them. And our school was very privileged that we were all going to Manila, the Philippines, because it's not usual that they go to the same city, let alone same country. Um, so on our off days we got to see each other um, and share our experiences which was really good to be able to do that. And so my team, had team was allocated the region of PASIG and so this is my team here. Um, and we also had a couple with a baby on it which had its own challenges at times. This region was a fairly high class business area and had a strip of businesses and banks along yeah. it. But it also had slums in it. But this picture here is what a normal street of Pasig looks like. Um, so, our flight to Manila was so long, um, and it was a huge day for us all. We had to get up at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning and we didn't arrive until our house until 8pm that night, and so Perth and Manila have the same um, time zone. So we didn't have to s- switch time zones, which was great. We were just very exhausted, and so we, we arrived at a house uh, which was provided by a local church which was hosting our team. We walked in to see a completely empty house. It didn't even have a kitchen or a stove. It had two bedrooms for 12 people and the family, um, and so this is our sleeping arrangements. So one room was for the family and the baby. Um, this room had five girls in it. We Two girls slept in a closet. Um, our leader slept next to the fridge under the stairs. And the two guys slept in our living area and had to pack up their belongings every day. Um, and so we didn't have much room for personal space and we just had to get used to each other, especially when sleeping. We didn't have any room just lay there and just sleep in a, the hot weather, but it was fun. We got to know each other really well after that. <laughs> the next day, um, YWAM had arrived with some supplies for us. So we got given a fridge, a stove and fans. We were very thankful for the fans as well. It was very hot, yeah. um, were delivered to us and it was such a blessing. Um, we, hadn't, we weren't given any chairs or tables though. Um, But by the end of the first week, we bought ourselves some chairs because we were sick of sitting on the ground. It does really hurt. And so we bought some chairs, but they weren't that good a quality and we kept breaking them. Um, And so for our mealtimes, we usually cooked ourselves um, and we would put a tablecloth on the ground and just eat around the tablecloth. Um, So it was a really nice community, even though we didn't have a table. We did hire a table for Thanksgiving, though, and it was a luxury. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, we had some Americans who were very keen on Thanksgiving, so we hired a table for it. So our first week consisted of Bible reading and prayer walks. Um, so for the first 76 hours that we were in Manila, we read the Bible. So we had had shifts for two hours and then four hours off and another two hours for 76 hours just declaring God's word over the city of Pasig. After we finished reading the Bible, we took a rest and a big sleep. Um, and then the next day, we started um, prayer walks. So we went around to different areas of Pasig and started um, praying into different things, such as corruption and for the people of Pasig, and for students and teachers, and just really praying into what we felt God wanted us to pray for around there and just stirring um, the waters there. In the second week, we started our ministry and Deborah and David, our leaders, had met with some of the local pastors and the council halls around our area um, to start to see if we could do some ministry with them. Um, our days usually started with worship or prayer and our prayer times were very intentional, um, specifically for the people of Pasig, and we prayed into different things such as education, um, Catholics, openness of people and for students. And God revealed many things to us during these times, such as ways we could enter into different places or um, what we should be doing that day. But most of our days consisted of evangelism. And this looked like going out, sometimes with a blood pressure cuff and sharing the love of Jesus with the locals. Before starting the DTS, I was so nervous about evangelism and very negative towards it. I thought it was only for particular people and I didn't realise it was for everyone. Um, but I have learned that it is now a lifestyle. People need to hear about Jesus. This message is too good not to share. We can't, be, we can't be quiet about it. I remember one morning I went out and did evangelism with Lindsay, one of my teammates. We decided to take our blood pressure cuffs and we prayed about um, where to go and we followed God's direction that day we took eight people's blood pressures we were able to pray for them all and share the gospel to them some of them had never heard about Jesus before and it is such an amazing feeling be able to share the joy of Jesus with them so since our team was a medical DTS we did do clinics so we'd set up clinics in our basketball court or in a church, so this, I think this is one of our first clinics that we did on a basketball court. Um, and we really saw God work during these times. It was amazing. Healings were taking place, salvations were happening, and every patient we saw was being prayed for. You could just see God's presence when we ran these clinics. We would first take people's vitals, so blood pressure, pulse, respirations, and temperature, And then we would have a consultation with them. So ask them why they were here. Usually they were here just for a cold. And so we found that uh, easy to treat for them and just give them ideas of how they can fix their cold. So gargling salt water and just very basic things like that. Um, And then we also prayed for every single patient. We we also gave out medication if they needed it. So this is Tim on pharmacy during a clinic minding all the medication. Um, During our first clinic, I really saw God move during this time. I was taking vitals and I saw four people with extremely high blood pressure go down to 120 over 80, which is a very good blood pressure. And then I saw a patient and she had low vision. And I asked her if I could pray for her eyes to be healed. So I did. Um, And then she opened her eyes and her vision was fully healed. She was a Christian and she was so excited that she could read the Bible again. Later that day, that same lady with the eyes um, was being consulted because she had knee pain and another person in my team prayed for her and her knee was healed. It was just such an amazing seeing God work um, through me like that. And before going, I I knew I was gonna see healings, but I didn't think that I was gonna personally see them. And it was just amazing the way God can use anyone to do anything. Um, So we also went to schools and we taught about dental care and nutrition. There was one school in particular which had over a thousand students. So we gave them fluoride treatment which is when you go to the dentist they usually put a paste on your teeth and then you spit it out and it just makes your teeth stronger. Um, So the children in Manila, their teeth are very poor and some children don't even have any teeth because they're just rotten away with sugar. And so we got to do this fluoride treatment on over a thousand students We got to pray for each one individually and then we'd go back to their classroom and we would teach them about how to care for their teeth and how to brush their teeth and that sugar, they shouldn't be eating a lot of sugar because that's what makes them have no teeth and makes their teeth sore. But then we got to share the gospel with them and we had over 70% of those students want to give their life to the Lord and know more about Jesus. Um, That was just one thing that really stood out to me during that time. Um, and so this is Sarah and John, and they're sharing the gospel in a classroom. Um, This gave us so many pathways, and so we were able to speak at churches. We ran children's ministries, youth ministries. We played for children in a children's hospital. We ran a five-day-long healthcare seminar. We did health teachings. We did a discipleship seminar for three days, Um, and we went into a jail and got to pray for people and give Bibles out. Um, So during the 11 weeks that my team was in PASIG, these are the statistics. So we saw over 2,639 people heard the gospel. Over 1,865 people gave their life to the Lord. Over 3,406 people were personally prayed for, and over 83 people were instantly healed of a physical ailment. Can we just clap and give praise to God for that? And so these are only some of the statistics um, that we had, but you can really see that God was working um, in the region of Pasig in Manila and how the impact of 12 people going out and sharing the gospel has on a region and how fast that can go if we listen to God. Um, And since this series is titled World Changers, I want to finish by telling you what I think a world changer is. I think a world changer is someone who actively is doing something. They say yes and to obey God. When I look at the Bible, there are so many world changers. And Isaiah for me is a great example. If you want to open up your Bibles to Isaiah 6, and we read um, from verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train on his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, 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 the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, which he touched my mouth and said, see this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for me? And I said, here I am, send me. I love this passage because God revealed himself to Isaiah. He was sitting on the throne and there was seraphim, their angelic beasts singing praises over God. Isaiah then realised that he was not clean before God, that he was a sinful man and not worthy of being in the Father's presence. The seraphim came and, Uzziah, and made Isaiah clean. Then the Lord needed someone to be his messenger, to go out and share the good news. Isaiah said straight away, without any hesitation, here I am, send me. I love this passage. I think it relates a lot to our lives. When we come before God, we are unclean. We are not worthy of him. But then through Jesus, we are made clean. We are able to be with Jesus and have a relationship with him. Because of the wonder and awe that I'm in, um, because of Jesus, we need to be there saying yes to everything that God has asked me to do. Isaiah then went on to prophesy over Israel. This is what a world changer is going to do. They're going to surrender all, give their life over to Jesus and obey him. In Matthew 515 to 16, we read, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we are world changes, we are going to shine that light around us, God's light around us. It doesn't matter where we are. Just say yes. Obey your heavenly Father and his plan for your life. We are all in different places. Be that shining light in your community, in your home, in your family, at your workplace, amongst your friends. It doesn't matter where you are, place. uh, Be that shiny light. For me last year it was in Pasig. Now I'm at university and that is my mission field. Ask God today how you can make a difference to people in your life and be that light and change the world one small step of faith at a time.